Hi, everyone. This is Carolyn from Second Serve. Who is excited about the French Open? The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris, and you can watch every court live on Tennis Channel Plus. You can watch it on your phone or smart TV live in HD. So you can watch it at work or while you're waiting in your kid's carpool line. Live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. You can be there when it happens with Tennis Channel Plus. Hi, this is Carolyn, and I'm here with Erin, and we are so excited to have Sarah with us. Sarah is the president of USTA Tennessee. She serves on committees for the Southern Section, started a community tennis association, is a 3-5 rated player, and it made me laugh because when she sent her bio, she says, day job, attorney, night job, tennis player, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> it's true, although I'm at my, currently sitting in my day job doing my night job, so... Don't tell anybody. Oh, that's true. <laughs> we won't. We won't. We promise. Okay. Can you first start off and tell us how you started playing adult tennis? Sure. I mean, I came to tennis, um, you know, later in life. I feel like we're kin folks um, because I feel like my story is similar to your story. And and I'm a fangirl. So this is a big <laughs> fangirl moment to be with you guys. So thank you for having me. But yeah, I, I came to tennis late at 30. And I actually just uh, was uh, down in Florida. That's where we go in Tennessee for the beach. We go to Florida to the Panhandle. And we were there and there was a tennis court where we were staying and we just kept playing, you know. And so finally I said, I've got to come back and get a lesson. And so it all started with a, a good coach and lessons. And just, you know, when you have a good coach, they say, you can't just take lessons. You've got to play. You've got to join USTA, you've got to play USTA leagues, and you got to play in tournaments. And so I was really lucky to have a coach who pushed me to do that. And, and then that kind of started me on my USTA journey. And you've been part of USTA for a while, right? So tell us, I know you formed a community tennis association in Tennessee. Tell us that story. A community tennis association is a nonprofit association. My tennis association is a 501c3, which means that we're a nonprofit if you donate to a 501c3, it's a uh, tax uh, deductible. What community tennis associations do is that they just promote tennis in their area. And so usually they're kind of a geographical area. You know, I'm in West Tennessee. So ours is Jackson West Tennessee Tennis Association. So we take most of West Tennessee with the exception of Memphis. And Memphis has its own community tennis association. And a community tennis association is sort of the hub of all tennis programming in your area. So are you saying that you went and you started playing tennis and you fell in love with it and then you were like, I'm going to create a tennis association? <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a big job. Well, that's a lot to take on when you have a day job and a night job also playing tennis. I think everybody, and this is probably true for you guys too, you sort of just fall into, into these things by accident, right? Yes. And so um, I think I fell into, and, and sometimes I think that things just happen to me because I'm trying to entertain myself, you know, like... <laughs> I want to play more tennis. How can I play more tennis? Well, let's see. We need more courts. And so for, for us, our community tennis association was born from we wanted to grow and build more courts. And so uh, we it was just a, a few of my tennis buddies. We met in, in one of our kitchens and said, hey, how can we get the city to build us uh, 10 new courts? And um, so we contacted uh, the mayor. We contacted USTA Tennessee. And they said, oh, you guys need to become a community tennis association. 
you know, and I'm in a rural area because I'm in, I'm not in Memphis, so I'm outside of Memphis. And so we don't have as much tennis as you guys do. And we actually travel to Memphis and play in some leagues just to get a bigger pool of people to play. But I would say if you're in an area, a more rural area, and you don't have the opportunities of tennis that, you know, are in the bigger cities, I think you should definitely reach out to your state office because they know of the opportunities that are there. And I think we all know um, if you play, if you go out to the city courts and play any, you'll see people that you've never played any matches with. They're good players. They don't seem to be playing in any leagues or on any teams. You know, so uh, there are those players out there that just really don't know that USTA leagues exist. And so we're trying to promote that. Um, You know, we're putting up signs at the courts that say, do you want to play tennis and you scan one of those barcode readers and it'll take you straight to the league page because some people just don't know that you can be part of a team. You know, they're just going out with their friends and and hitting at night, you know, and I, I always think about, I'm a nighttime player and there's a whole world of daytime tennis going on that I don't know anything about. And, and it's probably the same is true for you guys that, you don't know the nighttime players that much because we're not interacting, but it's, it's a whole different world. So I think there's a lot more opportunity out there than we know. And it's just a matter of kind of going up to those players and saying, Hey, join us. You know, if you want to play, we we've got some play for you. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, that's fantastic. Since I've captained a bunch of leagues and I know you have too, do you have any advice for captaining teams, maybe for new captains or for, you know, any people that have captained for a while? Yeah, I, you know, I listened to, I love that that one of your episodes was recently with the three, five captain that came from that, that went to national. I think she was a 55 and over. And I thought, gosh, she had the best advice. Like the way she handled her team was so wonderful. And one of the things that I think that she said was, you know, I have these kind of trusted advisors and they help me with the lineup. And um, I think that's good advice to listen to to others. But I would say that the one thing that you have to remember, and I don't think she said it, but I know she, I could tell from, from her that this is true for her. In the end, you are the captain. And so like, you know, I always, I have two or three buddies that I'm like, okay, what do you think with the lineup? And sometimes they don't agree. And in the end, I just have to say, look, I'm the captain. And I'm going to make that lineup. The other thing that I think that matters in teams is um, sort of, and I think she said this too, you kind of put this out there at the front end. Like, is our team a really serious team? Like, are we trying to get to national or state or wherever? Are we trying, are we really serious? Because at that point you have to make, as the captain, you have to make some tough choices about your lineup. And it may be that you don't get to play as many matches as someone else, you know, And it may be that I put my best players out there every time. I feel like if you discuss this with your team on the front end and you say, okay, we are a serious team. And I've been with teams that have just been like my, my buddies and it's just a girl's trip. (laughs) Like uh, we're just going to state because we're going to enjoy every minute of going to state and we're going to play a lot of tennis. Um, But if we don't win, that's okay. I just want everybody to have the same number of matches you know, and we're all going to be happy about it. But so I think you got to establish some of those parameters on the front end. And the other thing I think is, I don't know about you guys, but I, you know, I'm in a small area. So getting um, a team of enough players is sometimes a problem. But I also don't want an enormous team. And so, I, you know, I don't know what the sweet spot is on that stuff, but it's not taking 14 players to state to play um, versus you can't take 
just the bare minimum, because what if somebody gets hurt and they're playing a lot of matches in a really short fashion. And so by the third day, if you're playing third days, you know, you might have somebody that's really going to have a problem. So I think you just need to kind of look ahead and to assume you're going to stake when you're putting your teams together and talk to your players about what you want and then go from there in terms of how you're going to do it. I agree. And Aaron, haven't you said that before that tennis cannot be almost a democracy? Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. It's like you said, Sarah, talk to people, understand what they're, you know, don't necessarily take a vote because the problem is then if you do something that nobody else agreed with, then you don't look good. But if you just kind of get opinions, but then you say, you know, I'm going to make the final decision. I'm the captain. That's why I signed up for this great free job, right? (laughs) for this non-paying job. (laughs) then yes, it works better that way. Yeah, I think it is hard, um, you know, because they're your friends too, and you don't want to disappoint them. And people have off days. And sometimes people, you know, pairing people up is a problem. I've been on teams where every time we changed partners, and um, sometimes that worked out. And sometimes it was terrible. You got to be flexible and go with the flow a bit. But in the end, you've just got to make the decision. Yeah. That's great. And even one of our friends, Rachel, she was at two five states and she said everybody wrote on a piece of paper who should play in the final match. So it was almost like survivor, you know, is all I can think of. Because if your name's not on there for the final match, especially as a two five, your feelings get hurt. Yeah, exactly. No. And, and, you know, I've been on teams where we had a coach, but one of the people on the team was his girlfriend. And, uh, you know, he was courting her very much. And it seemed like she'd lose every match and she's playing every match. (laughs) You know, it's hard even still. But I tell you what, I'll say this and you know, this is true. Even even on teams that have these kind of problems and these these personality conflicts or issues where somebody feels like their feelings are, are hurt or something. In the end, it's really is so much fun to be on a team like it just all always is fun. Even when you have this little drama, it's just so worth it no matter what. Agreed. We found our best friends through tennis and I I know so many people that have. Yeah. And, you know, and like you said, you, you meet people that you would never know because we don't really have a lot in common with some of our tennis friends, except tennis. And they're in totally different walks of life, you know, with kids or no kids. And, but yet we have just this huge bond. And as soon as we see Anybody on the tennis court were like, did you see the Djokovic match yesterday? You know, I mean, it's something that we all have with each other. And I can talk to pretty much any tennis player about that. That's true. That's the common thread. We really appreciate Sarah being on the podcast. We have another episode with Sarah where she'll discuss the best and the worst parts of being a local league coordinator and her most memorable match, which I bet is pretty memorable for her opponents as well. We hope you check out our website, which is secondservepodcast.com. The resources section of our website gives information for adult rec players. Also, stay tuned for the tip of the week with Michelle from Tennis Warehouse. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you on the courts soon. Hey guys, it's Michelle with Tennis Warehouse and here's your tip of the week. But first, make sure you use the discount code SECONDSERVE for $20 off clearance items when you spend $100 or more at tenniswarehouse.com. Today's question is, do I need clay court specific shoes if I'm playing on a clay court? The easy answer is no. Most tennis shoes have that modifying herringbone pattern and it will work just fine on a clay court. However, if you want to be able to control your experience and have the best experience ever, 
you will want to get a pair of clay court shoes because their outsole will be a full herringbone pattern, which is a bit tighter than a hard court shoe. And it allows the clay to go in and out of the outsole easier for sliding and traction. And then the mesh upper is going to be knit a little tighter so clay does not get in your shoes. So go try out a pair of clay shoes now. That's your T-Dub tip of the week. For more tips, visit us at tenniswarehouse.com. Hey, Second Serve listeners, this is Erin. Carolyn and I are so excited that the second slam of the year is happening this month. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the French Open, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch it. Tennis Channel Plus brings you courtside with three weeks of unparalleled access, and they do this with every single court live. Watch on your phone, your smart TV in HD, or like I do, on my iPad while I'm sitting at my desk working all day. I love to flip around to different matches on Tennis Channel Plus to see my favorite players in action. Don't miss your favorite tennis legends battle a new generation of talent and watch exciting new rivalries emerge on the historic clay courts of Roland Garros. If Carolyn and I can't be in Paris in person, at least we can watch all the matches on Tennis Channel Plus. Daily coverage begins on Monday, May 20th. Be there when it happens with Tennis Channel Plus. I know I will be.